0: South Park Church partnered with Ballantine Rotary Club, which fuels the partnership with Water Missions in Haiti.
1: South Park Church raised a lot of money on our Christmas Eve offering, and I wanted to go see what that was gonna do.
0: There wasn't any kind of like pre-planned service project. Not having any knowledge of how to build a well or the engineering experience. We were just going to see the amazing things the funding has done in these communities.
1: We went to recently completed job sites where you see a well and there's people drinking clean water out of it. And right next to that is the gutter where they used to get their water. That's just a trough that's muddy and nasty.
0: Clean water nourishes them, it helps them cook their food, it helps them clean their clothes, it helps them clean themselves, it brings a sense of pride in their community.
1: It really provides an ongoing source of water, not just a, hey, we built it and we walk away.
0: Right, they definitely empower the community to manage the site themselves, because we want them to have ownership of these locations and to take pride in their work and be able to provide for their community
1: and you realize, wow, that that really made a difference. And now we have three new job sites that we're gonna use our money specifically for to help people.
0: Going to Bionet is doable by anybody. But if you can't go, there are plenty of ways that God is working wonders in this community. God always uses unlikely
1: people to accomplish amazing things. And I was on the fence about going on this trip because I didn't wanna miss work and I didn't wanna go far away. And I thought, you know, I'm not an engineer. I don't know how to build a well, but I feel like when I got there, it was so worthwhile going. And I would say to people, if you're on the fence, go. The relationships are the most important thing. The prayers that you'll bring to these people, the prayers they'll say for you and lay hands on you, is so rewarding, I can't even describe it. I thought I was gonna go there and witness to the Haitian people, and that I was gonna go there and my presence was gonna help them. But I walked away, realize that the people in Bayonaise, Haiti witnessed to me.
0: And it was just amazing to see these people are just like us and they love God just as much as we do and they deserve the opportunity to live lives with clean water.
1: People out in these mountain towns, they feel forgotten. and Their government doesn't help them. There's nobody else there for them. So when you show up if you're not a doctor or engineer, it's okay. They just want to talk to you. They want to know that people care about them, that somebody's praying for them. And we are doing good work. And I think our monetary donations, we're seeing a concrete result. We're going to help them one community at a time.
2: This process and all that I'd seen there and, uh, got to see God do some amazing work and just you know really kind of trying to rest and kind of reflect on the on the flight back and sure enough right in front of me was a mother and uh, her two young children elementary age they're Americans they were not with us on the trip but uh, they were flying back from Haiti with us as well to Florida and then eventually we'd be back in North Carolina not sure where they were going to go but uh, as you might imagine the the kids were kind of young they were tired irritable and they were in a big fight uh, you know how siblings can do that. And they were fighting over specifically the iPad that they had and what they wanted to watch on the iPad. And so it was getting loud. I felt bad for the mom. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, that could be me and my kids. That could be you and your kids, you and your grandkids. I mean, you you know the whole deal. And I'm looking at that, you know, and now in retrospect, as we think about life to the full, like, you know, is that what life to the full is? Is all about, and and then I contrast that with uh, some of the children that we met on the trip in Haiti, who will never own an iPad. They're lucky to own a pad of paper. They'll never be uh, in an airport, never get on a plane, never come to the greatest country in the world, the United States of America. And uh, most of them might have one good meal a day. They walk miles and miles to go to school, where uh, there was this church we were at in this Christian school. And yet, when we were around them, they were beaming with smiles, and they seemed to be so full of life and and so happy and 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 then you contrast that with you know these these kids, just like my kids, you know, just being kids fighting about the iPad on the plane and just wondering what is life to the full? Which of these groups is 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 living that? and you know, I'm sure that if uh, we had stayed in Haiti and had a chance to go and follow these kids around that we met that were, you know, super excited to see us and happy and all that kind of stuff, that we'd probably see a different side of their life that, that we didn't see. If we, you know, we followed them home that night after walking, you know, a few miles to get home, and, and they didn't have any dinner and they went to bed hungry, I'm sure that the smile might not be as bright. Uh, and for the parents who were not able to feed their kids, uh, you know, that evening meal, that, that, that smile not, might not be as bright or to be there for the funerals of some of their loved ones who died because they don't have access to clean water or don't have access to simple immunizations that that can cure diseases that we've been able to cure for years and years and years, but they don't have them. They don't have the money for that. And, you know, I think if we spend some time more with the children and and the people of Haiti, other than just, uh, you know, when we get to see them in, in their best moments, that that we discover that poverty's real and it can stink and there's just some, some tough stuff and so again the question who if any of us are living that life to the full and here we are in South Park and this is the one of the greatest places in the United States to live it's an awesome community and and we love to be a part of this community and you know I shared last week that in the 3 mile radius here according to you know government census and data and all that that the overall sense of well-being in South Park, when you rank it from extremely high to extremely low, with moderate in the middle and uh, somewhat high and, and kind of low, that, that the sense of well-being in our community of South Park is low, and that's very surprising, right? And so of these kids fighting over the iPad, of those beautiful children in Haiti who have this sense of you know, joy in their life, but also probably were hiding some things from us that, that we didn't know about, To South Park having a low sense of of well-being, you know, on average, that doesn't mean everyone. What does it mean to live life to the full? Can we have that? And is that a realistic goal? And what does that look like? And the good news is absolutely God said that He came, He sent Jesus to come and give us life and, and have it to the full. Right? At South Park Church, that's our goal is to help people live life to the full and and so that's what we've been studying over these past couple of weeks. If you haven't been here, I'd love to just invite you to check out our website, southparkchurch.com, and we've, we've dived into that. We're going to keep doing that, but maybe it's a way to catch you up to speed. You know that, that living life to the full is a reality. It's a possibility. That's why Jesus came. and. Ultimately, it's a choice. We must choose to live life to the full. And it's not something that we can, you know, look back to say, eh, in the past I was living life to the full or in the future I'm going to have a full life. And, and those are all good, right? Past is good. Future is good. But we've got to figure out a way to live life to the full now. And, and that has to be a choice. It has to be a conscious effort to, to seek that out. We talked last week about one of the key ways that people in the Bible lived life to the full was through transformation, And one of the core values of our church is transformation, that God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. So come as you are, leave better. Come as you are, leave better. We talked about the transforming power of Jesus and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. And, And the goal of that really is to help us to transform our lives to be more like Jesus the perfect person, the perfect human being. You know, we emulate all kinds of people in our lives, actors and actresses and athletes and politicians and successful business people, and that's great to emulate all that, but the the best person who ever lived, the perfect person, Jesus, right? If we want to live life to the full, we need to be more like Jesus, and and God helps us with that, right? So that's one of the core values of our church, and there's some core practices that we can do to do that. One of them is, is what we're doing right now. We're worshiping together, Right, when we come together, that that opens us up to receiving God. When we when we read our Bibles and we pray every day in our own private, you know, homes or, or closets or workplaces, right, wherever we can connect and just get a moment of silence. That if, if we if we do the practice of reading the Bible and praying, that that's going to open us up to the transforming power of God, even before maybe we maybe believe in God. Right? These practices are are ways to open ourselves up to God and. I've been challenging all of us at the end of the day to ask ourselves two questions. Where did I resist Jesus today? And where did I work with with Jesus today? And and the way that we answer those questions, I think, is related to life to the full. I think the more that we work with God, the more our life's going to feel full. The more that we resist Jesus, the the more it's going to feel empty. How do we know what Jesus wants, right? We worship, we pray, we read scripture And today and next Sunday, we're also going to have some more practical ways that we can kind of open ourselves to life to the full and have some practices for for God to come and and be a part of our life. And, you know, one of the the follow-up questions, I think, in some of our groups has been, well, does living life to the full mean that I, that I feel happy all the time, that I feel joy all the time? You know, what's the role? Is life to the full a feeling? Is it more than that? What, what is that all about? I think that's a great question, and I think absolutely God wants us to be happy. I think God wants us to have joy in our lives, um, and I think we need to really understand w- what those words mean. For a lot of time in my ministry, I've kind of preached that happiness is one thing and joy is different. That happiness is fleeting. It's, it's based on worldly things. I'm happy when my team wins. I'm not happy when my team loses. Right? I, I'm happy when the stock market's up. I'm not happy when the stock market's down. So happiness kind of can be circumstantial. But then there's, there's kind of this joy, this eternal concept that no matter what the circumstances in my life are, there's some, there's some core things that I can hang on to that can bring me joy. Right? Whether the stock market's up or down, whether my team wins or loses, God loves me. God created me in God's image. God has plans for my life. I'm not alone because God is with me. Right? These are I can find forgiveness in God and, and life to the full in God. And I can release uh, guilt and shame and, and instead find joy and peace. Right? These are kind of eternal things that no one can rob from me no matter what's happening in my life. Now, I've been reading the the Bible recently, reading some commentaries, and uh, I'm really starting to rethink the the use of joy and happiness because in the Bible, it doesn't really distinguish them. Joy and happiness are are really synonyms, right? Joy, happiness, gladness, right? They're they're synonyms, and they they mean the same thing. But I think the concept that I was talking about can be found in Scripture, and I think it's true, right, That, that some circumstantial things will bring us joy, Uh, And and that can fade or or stay, but there's some eternal things that will bring us joy no matter what's happening in our lives, right? And so maybe the better question is, what brings us joy? What brings us happiness, right? Because in in the scriptures, uh, it says some interesting things. It says, rejoice in all circumstances, Right? Whether uh the stock market's up, the stock market's down, whether uh, my team won, my team lost, whether the dog the dog peed on the carpet or the dog went outside to pee, right? You know, right in all circumstances rejoice, not rejoice for all circumstances, right? I'm not glad the stock market's down, I'm not glad my team lost, I'm not glad that I'm sick, I'm not glad that my mom died, you know, all those kind of things, right? But but in all circumstances we can find a reason to rejoice, not for the circumstance, but because those eternal things God God is with us, right? And 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 you know when we think about circumstantial things that make us happy, Jesus also teaches us. Uh, in, uh, actually, in the Bible, he says, you know, take up your cross and and follow me, right? Deny yourselves. We have to deny ourselves some of the things that that bring us worldly happiness, right? We could have woke up this morning and think, wow. Man, it's cold, it's rainy, I don't wanna go outside and I don't wanna to go to church. I'm just gonna stay in my bed and be so warm and happy, right? And we'd feel joy about that, but but what if you know we'd signed up to to you know set up the sanctuary today, or we were an usher today or a greeter and, and folks were counting on us, right? We gotta deny ourselves and uh, that 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 simple pleasure of staying in the bed and get up and, and go and, and and help people, and, and probably when we got here, we have even more joy because we got here, right? So very interesting to think about things. And, and I think maybe life to the full ultimately is, is seeing what makes us happy, why it makes us happy, and, and to see the bigger picture. Yeah, the stock market's down. Yeah, the dog peed on the carpet. Yeah, I lost my job. Yeah, you know, my, my girlfriend dumped me. And Those circumstances, they stink. But at the same time, at the same time, God is with me and God loves me. God has plans for my life. I am not alone. There are people in my life that, that love me because God placed them in my life. And so when you look at the bigger picture, there are some circumstances that are going to come and go and, and change and, and that sort of thing. But there's some eternal things that never change. And when we look at the whole picture, then I think we can have an overall sense of joy, an overall sense of happiness, even though our circumstances right now might stink, right? It also says in the Bible that uh, we should rejoice whenever we face trials, Right, you know, when, when things aren't going our way, that we should rejoice—that just seems so counterintuitive. And some of us are saying, "Well, I'm going to be singing joy of the world because my world stinks right now," you know. But, but it's because God is with us and He's working to bring good into our lives. Right. So, I think part of life to the full, right? It, it, I don't think it's just about happiness; it's just about joy. I think it's more about being faithful to God. And when we're faithful to God and we focus on those eternal things, then joy and happiness kind of have a way of, of following our, our lives. Right. So. It's seeing the bigger picture. There's some circumstantial things that are good, some that are bad. But on the the big picture, there's a lot to rejoice over. And I can be living life to the full, even when my circumstances aren't the best right now. Maybe another way of looking at it is to think about terms of full and empty. right? Because we're talking about living life to the full. What does that look like? And the opposite of that is, is an empty life. That's something that we, we don't want to live. As Kevin says, you know, we can have everything that the world says makes us feel great, and we can enjoy all that kind of stuff. But, but at the end of the day, there's probably something missing in our life. There's some kind of a hole in my in, inside of me, something that I, I just can't fill it up, right? So the opposite of full is empty. And so I want to dive into the Scripture today as we, as we think about life to the full versus life to the empty. And and Jesus is going to teach us some some really interesting stuff about full and empty. And so let's dive in. We're going to be in the New Testament to begin with. Uh, We're going to read some of the words of the Apostle Paul. He was a pastor in the first century. He started a lot of churches in the Mediterranean world. And one of them was in a place called Philippi. And he wrote the, the people in Philippi, the Philippians, a letter uh, talking about God. And so that letter made it into the New Testament, into the Bible. We're going to read some of what Paul says about fullness and about emptiness. Uh, so let's check this out. Philippians chapter 2, verses 4 through 8. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. But Jesus emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now Paul's talking to the Philippian Christians about how they're supposed to take care of other people in the world. And he says the way that we're supposed to take care of other people is we should learn a lesson from Jesus. Jesus emptied himself uh, so that he could serve us. And what happened was, we talked about this last Sunday. If you, if you want to go check that out, it's going to be much more detail than I can share right now. But basically, God looked down on the world, saw that things were a mess because we were disobeying God, but we were dealing in our guilt, we we're dealing in shame and all kinds of stuff. And, and so he sent Jesus into the world, right? Jesus left heaven, right? Jesus is God. He leaves heaven. He comes to the earth. He becomes a human being, a frail human being. He's still God. He doesn't give up his divinity, but he becomes this human frail being. And then he gives his life. He allows himself to be killed on the cross so that he can come back to life and give us an opportunity to be in a right relationship with God again. So so the way that it happens is Jesus emptied himself of heaven, right? He still remained God, but he became human. Then he emptied himself of his life, right? Jesus emptied himself so that you and I can be made full, so that our our wrongdoing can be forgiven, our guilt and shame can be replaced with joy and peace. We can live our lives to the full now, forever in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus emptied himself so that we can become full. So Paul's saying, just as Jesus made sacrifices for us, that we're supposed to make sacrifices for other people in our lives. And that's the model that we have from Christ, right? So then he continues on with this, verse 9. Therefore, God also highly exalted Jesus and gave him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus made this sacrifice, and now God, uh, he exalts him, right? So in a sense, when Jesus emptied himself, he also became full. Right? God was proud of him. He exalted him. Right? He's been restored to the glorious kingdom of heaven. All of the universe will down, bow down before Jesus. So, in the process of emptying Himself, Jesus became full. Right? In the in the eyes of God the Father. Right? So, as we empty ourselves, as we pour out ourselves to serve other people, then that then God is going to fill us back up. All right. So, I, hang on to that. We're going to see what that looks like in everyday practical terms. But we're not done with the Bible. It's going to help explain this a little bit more. We're going to jump back to the Old Testament, to the book of Psalms. If you ever had your Bible open it right to the middle, you're going to come to the book of Psalms. And Psalms are simply like these songs, these, these things that people have, have said about God, and they reflect every human emotion there is. There's fear, there's anger, there's joy, there's sadness. There's, uh, the human gambit is in here. We're going to be in the 23rd Psalm today. You probably hear this read at a lot of funerals if you've ever been there. And it, it talks about God as a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Right? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Right? It's just this very comforting image of God taking care of us. the end of the, of the psalm, it's, it shifts from God being a shepherd to God being more of a host. Okay? And, and so you think about going to someone's home. They're hosting you in their home. And, and this is what happens in verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows." I want to focus on that last verse there, the my cup overflows, right? If you've ever been to someone's home and they're having a party or you've been invited over and to have dinner with them, a good host, right, feeds you, there's a big cup there, you know, whatever you're drinking, and the, and the good host is gonna make sure that cup stays full. All right. If you're if you're in my house here in the south, I get a good southern wife who loves sweet tea. Right. You're going to have an overflowing cup of sweet tea if you're at the Thompson household. Right. And so that's what the, the writer's saying. God, you're you're like a great host. Right. Because you're in my life. I feel that that my life is overflowing with you. I, I'm overjoyed. I, I, my life is full, God, because you are with me and, and you provide for me. And so, you know, that again, as we think about a full life, as we think about an empty life, Jesus emptied himself so that our cups can overflow, right? That God can be in our lives. It's the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus, John, to the New Testament. We're going to be in the Gospel of John. A Gospel means the story of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. John was one of his 12 disciples. And John's writing about a, a teaching that Jesus... Gives, and I think it relates back to the 23rd Psalm. John chapter 7, verse 37. On the last and great day of a festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So Jesus is at a festival. He's at a party. He's at a big kind of a banquet, right, where there's lots of water flowing, wine flowing, I'm sure. And, and, and he says, right, if you come to me, those of you who are thirsty, right, I'm going to give you, right, you will be full of the living water. Now, he's not talking about physical water, right? He's talking about those of you who are hungering for something more in life. There's got to be something bigger in life. There's something missing in my life. If you're thirsting for that, then you've come to the right place because I have the water of living life that will quench your thirst like nothing else on the earth will. And then Jesus says very clearly what that is. He says, it's the Holy Spirit. It's a special part of God that's with us right now. Right? We believe God is one and comes and, and lets himself be known in three different persons. God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is saying, right, I will send the Holy Spirit to you and you will be full of this living water and it will overflow out from you. Right. So Jesus empties himself so that we can be full. Right. And so he sends the spirit into our lives so that that we can have God in us so much that it overflows and it spills out into the world around us. Some things to think about: full and empty. Right? Who's feeling life to the full now, and and who in here, or watching or listening, is feeling that there's something missing? Right? There's just there's something missing. There's some emptiness in my life. I just can't seem to fill it up. Right? Jesus says, "I am the answer. Right? I am the living water." If you empty yourself of your pride, if you empty yourself of your ego, you say, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. I want to, you know, I want to leave all this wrongdoing and this guilt and shame behind me. I'm I'm tired of the emptiness. God, I want to empty myself out. I want to make room for you. I want you to come in and fill me, Lord. Jesus says he sends the Holy Spirit. It fills us up so much that we're full and overflowing and we spill into each other's lives. Now, we're going to talk about, again, practically what this looks like in your life, but I think we need to understand the concept that God wants to come inside of us and live in us and give us a fullness that the world cannot. Right? There's a lot of great things in the world that we that make us happy and bring us joy, and, and, and that's great, but at the end of the day, it's not ever going to be enough. Jesus says, I am what will put you over the top. I'm the one that will fill you, right? Remember, we talked about transformation. The more we become like Jesus, the more our life is full, right? The Holy Spirit helps us do that. We have to be ready for that, right? So, so what? So what? So what's the big idea? What's the point? So what does this mean? What does this look like in my life? I think it's a very simple concept today, but I think it's a very powerful one. And I think it's this, God fills... And we pour. God fills us up so that we can pour out life to the full in our world, right? So we can help our families and our friends and the people that we work with and the people that we go to school with, that we can help our neighbors find life to the full. Because when God fills us up, then we're gonna be so full of life to the full that it's gonna naturally pour out. Now, how many of us are here today? who sometimes feel that we have given and given and given to our family, to our friends, to our school, to our job, and we can't give anymore, right? We've given our blood. We've given our sweat. We've given our tears. We've given our talents. We've given our abilities. We've given it all. We've given our money. We've given our time and our attention. We just have given so much. There is nothing left of us to give, right? I know what that feels like. That's exhausting and and we do it with good intention but at the end of the day we just don't have anything else to offer. Here's the good news Jesus says, when I'm in you, you don't have to worry about that. I will give you the strength. I will give you the power. I will give you the ability. I will fill you up so much that you you won't even have to, you know, worry about it. You'll have so much of me inside of you that all that stuff you're going to be able to be there for your friends. You're going to be able to be there for your family. You're going to be able to be there for your work. You're going to be able to be there for for people who live in your neighborhood, right? God says, if you empty yourself and allow me to fill you up, then there's going to be enough of you because I am going to be within you and I'm going to flow out into your life, right? Okay, so let's talk practically what that can begin to look like as we think about trying to live life to the full, opening ourselves to God so that we can pour out into other people's lives. And help the people that we care about live life to the full. It's not just us, it's the people that we care about. How can we help them live life to the full? I think another thing in Scripture, a core value of Scripture and a core value of our church remember, last week we talked about transformation as a core value of the Bible, of our church. I think a core value of the Bible, core value of our church is generosity, that we are givers. That we feel so full of God that that God has given us so many opportunities and resources that that we can't help but sharing what God has given us with other people, right? To be generous, to realize we have been blessed with so much in the world that it's a joy for us to then invest that back out into other people, right? God fills us up, then we pour it out, and other people receive these blessings in our lives. And so, what from? So I think. Again, biblically, as a church, a core value is generosity. And I think that generosity can can be seen in the two greatest resources we have as human beings. That's our time and our money. I think as we think about pouring ourselves out for others, this is a great opportunity. And so I want to just introduce some core practices that I think a lot of us are doing already But if you're not yet doing these things, even if you're not a believer, I think if you start practicing these these next three things, that this will open you up to living life to the full in God. This will open you up to living life to the full in God. The first one of them is to serve God, right? And you can do this in one of two ways. One of them is to serve God outside of the church, right? Most of us spend most of all of our time outside of the church. It's awesome that we come together and, and and we are the church But God needs us out in the world. God needs us out in South Park. God needs us in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, at the mall, right? And so God is asking us to serve out in the world, right? And I would give you the goal of serving God outside the church at least once a week, right? What does that look like? Well, what are you good at? Who are you around? right? What abilities has God given you, right? Maybe you're in the workplace, you see someone's having a bad day, right? Your way of serving God this week is to go to that person and to encourage them to say a kind word, to smile, to invite them to lunch, right? Your goal is to serve God and you see that opportunity and boom, there you go. You can do that in school. You can do that at home. Maybe you see your neighbor struggling with you know, some kind of a chore out in the yard and, and you're good at whatever they're, what they're needing to do. Go over there, serve God in the world, help your neighbor because you're good at doing whatever they're not good at doing and, and you can do that, right? And so the trick is to figure out, okay, God, to to be intentional about this, right? This this doesn't need to be random. It needs to be, okay, God, I want you to show me a situation this week where I can help someone on your behalf and I'm gonna do that, right? And, And so I would challenge you once a week, at least once a week, how can I serve God out in the world, right? What gifts and abilities, what talents, what opportunities do I have, right? It might be something that seems small. It might be something that seems big. What can I do to serve God outside the walls of this church I think God's going to open that up. And I think the more that we help, the more that we serve God, right? The more that we empty ourselves to help the people that God's placed in front of us, the more that we empty ourselves helping them, the more full we're going to fill our life is. So through our practices, we open ourselves up for God, God flowing through us, right? It's this pattern, right? And so it's a way for us to practice the great generosity that God has given us. The Holy Spirit flows through us, we flow through other people, and it's this cycle, right? The more we give for God, the more God fills us up, and God's the one who's making it all happen, right? It's a pretty thing. Right. Another thing that we can do is an, an internal thing is that we can serve God in the church. Right? We have some amazing ministries in our church through worship ministries set up and takedown, through our children's ministries, through the in the praise team up here, through uh going to the, the soup kitchen, the, all that kind of stuff throughout the weeks. Right, there's so many opportunities. Just go to our website, helpourchurch.com. There's so many ways to plug into the church. Right? God has given us gifts, talents, and abilities to build the church. You know what the church is? It's the body of Christ in the world. When the world says the world stinks. Things are not good. I need to see that there's a God. The church is supposed to be there to say, hey, here's a slice of what God looks like. And and you all are beautiful folks. And you work so hard. I'm so proud of you. And It's just amazing to see those of us who are serving, how you just seem to be fed by God and you just have the joy and you're here week after week and doing things. And and some of us are doing 10 things for the church week. Some of us are doing five things. Some of us are doing no things. And I think if you're in the no category, then you're missing out on the joy that comes from serving God through the powerful ministries of this church. We're missing out because God has given you unique talents and abilities and, and they're just being wasted. And so, how could God use you to help build up the ministries of the church based on what you're good at, right? We've got people who deal with the finances of the church. We've got people that help with our staffing. We've got administrator stuff. We've got ministry stuff. We've got all kinds of stuff. We can use all the help in the world, right? And so a way to live life to the fullest, to be generous with our time and our talents, serving God outside the church at least once a week, serving God inside the church once a week. As we do this, as we pour ourselves out into people's lives, as we empty ourselves, God flows through us, we continue to be full of that Holy Spirit and we change people's lives. And then the next thing that we can do, we serve God with our time and our talent. And then I think scripture is really clear that God expects us to be generous with our money. Right? God, the scripture seems to have this target around 10% that we give God 10% of our wealth. Right? Some of us can give more than that. Right? Some of us might need to start lower than that, but that seems to be kind of a target, kind of minimum that we give God 10% of our wealth through the church to support the various ministries that we have to try to reach people for Jesus in the South Park community and beyond. Right? And so that's between you and God. Right? In my life, the more that I give to God of my time, the more that I give to God of my money, the more generous that I am, right? then the more I feel that my life is to the full. And I want to be clear, I'm not preaching like prosperity gospel. Like if you give 10% away that God's going like to let you win the lottery tomorrow and you're going to win a million dollars, like thanks God, right? There's no strings attached to that. It might happen, right? But I think the gift is as we pour ourselves out, then the Holy Spirit fills us up more and we feel that life to the full. Generosity, being generous, serving God through our time and our talent and our treasure is a way to open ourselves to living life to the full. As Jesus poured himself out, we are to pour ourselves out. And what's the greatest thing that we have? Our two greatest resources are our time and our money. How is God calling you to be generous? How is God calling you to pour yourself out through your time, your talent, and your treasure? And and the more that we do this, the more I think we're going to experience life to the full. Let's think about, again, specific ways that we can do this. Did you know that today, in the world today, 2,300 people will die today because they don't have access to clean water? 2,300 people today will die because they don't have access to clean water. A lot of those are children. And specifically, this is mostly through cholera. And what that simply means is, is people have diarrhea and they die because of diarrhea. I can't think of many more horrible ways to die than that. I mean, it's humiliating. But just what a terrible way to die, right? Simply because they don't have access to clean water, right? So I started talking about this a couple of years ago, and this this moved our congregation, right? This made us angry. It made us upset, you know, like we've got to do something about that. And, And so our generous hearts, our transformed hearts, right? We came together at Christmas Eve a couple of Christmases ago, and we gave the biggest Christmas Eve offering we've ever given and we took we took half that money to go towards clean water in Haiti we partnered with the Ballantyne Rotary Club just here in South Charlotte. You know, South Park and Ballantyne teaming up. They matched every dollar we had with $2.50, right? So that blew up into like $122,000. And it's allowing us to bring clean water to multiple communities in the country of Haiti, as Hal and Melissa said on their testimony video, you know, just before I came up here. Right, so what that means is because of your generosity with one offering, we've saved thousands of lives. Well, you've saved thousands of lives in the name of Jesus Christ. And if that doesn't make you feel full, I don't know what will. You are making a difference in people's lives. You are saving people's lives simply by giving of what God has given to you. And, and you're going to save thousands of people's lives. Now, how many of those, those people who are saved in Haiti are going to become doctors or become uh, teachers or going to become politicians that aren't corrupt, and, and they can maybe change the entire landscape of an entire country because you and your generosity are living life to the full. Now what's neat is next um, March, next month, in March, at the end of March, we're taking 12 people from our church to go back to Haiti. Hal and Melissa were our first wave of missionaries. We're, we're going back with 12 people at the end of March, and we're going to go see the progress that's been made on the clean water places. We're super excited about that, interacting with some of the people of Haiti. And uh, we're going to have an opportunity to do that. I'm excited. I'm going. I'm taking my son, Luke, uh, who is 11. And I, I'm praying to God it's going to be a transforming relationship and experience for him. And I think it's going to open his eyes to a lot, right? We, we're privileged people living in first world America. And uh, I think sometimes we don't realize how good we have it. And I think it allows us to know how much more we can be giving back to God. So I'm, I'm on a personal level excited for that opportunity. I want to thank you all for your generosity in making that happen. So I want also give you an opportunity to be generous uh, in a couple of ways to help us really as we go down to Haiti. And, and here are a few ways that you can help if you're, if you're not going on the trip. I invite you to be generous with your time of prayer that you pray for our team, that you pray for the people of Haiti, that we'd have safe travels, we would really connect with them, we would learn from them, they'd learn from us, we would share the love of Jesus, they'd share the love of Jesus, and this would just be a, you know, a beautiful kind of relationship building uh, to take it to the next step from when Hal and Melissa were there that we establish these relationships. I'd also like to give you an opportunity to be generous with your money. Thank you for what you did with Christmas Eve. And, and here's a couple ways that you can do something else. We're gonna be going down and we're gonna be taking uh, some of these solar-powered lights. We're gonna carry down in some duffel bags with us. They cost like 65 bucks. We've got a picture here. People Most of the people in Haiti don't have any electricity, but they have a lot of sunlight. And so for 65 bucks, you could buy this solar-powered light. We'll carry it down there for you. And you can give uh, a light to a whole family in Haiti, right? The Bible says something about... The- the light of Jesus, right? We can carry the light of Christ down uh, in a very tangible way. Sixty-five dollars, you can do that today. Out in the lobby, we've got people with an iPad. You can scan your card. You can write a check, put it in the in the box out there. You can make a difference. We'll carry those down there, right? Another cool thing that you can do is that uh, you can just make a general donation to the to the to the trip to help people with scholarships to go on this on this trip. We're going to take soccer balls, things like that. There's lots of things we're going to want to take down there. You can just make a general donation. Again, there's a hate, a whole Haiti section out in the lobby. All you have to do is walk over there, and they can help you. And then the final thing, which might be the really coolest thing, is the people from World of God are here. And what they do is, is they help set up sponsorship for the children of Haiti. We're going to be in a, at a town called A Haiti. It's in the north of Haiti. We're going to be stationed at a church that has a school there that reaches like uh, hundreds of kids, actually thousands of kids, And what you can do is for $40 a month, $40 a month, you can sponsor a child to have an education. They'll get an education. They'll get a hot meal, probably the only hot meal they'll receive the entire day. And you can be assured they're going to hear about the love and power of Jesus Christ as a Christian school, right? So for 40 $40 a month, you know, a little over a dollar a day, you can make all the difference in the life of a child. And... I'm so excited because Luke and I are going to get a chance to meet the child that we sponsor. His name's Ezekiel. I've never met him. He's 16 years old. He uh, Four boys in his house, two girls, their mom. They all live together in a small stone home. Their dad is in Brazil working because he makes more money in Brazil than in Haiti. He sends the money back, which is great, but it's sad that they live apart from each other. Right, Uh, Ezekiel wants to be an agronomist. Not sure what that is. It has something to do with like farming, right? So he's already smarter than your pastor. And uh, we're gonna surprise him. He doesn't know we're coming. And I I can't wait for my my 11 year old to interact with this 16 year old boy and see how they can pour into each other's lives. You can you can have that experience. Right? We're pen pals now. So they'll they will write a letter in English. They'll translate it to Creole. He'll write a letter in Creole. They'll translate it to English. They'll get it back to us. Um, here's a picture of another lady in our church, Marsha, who has sponsored one of the children in Haiti. And uh, she sponsors a little girl who's not even uh, old enough to write yet, so she drew a picture. And uh, one, of the, one of the teachers there wrote a, a note to Marsha. Right, so you, you, can, you can pour out yourself, right? Where, where can you sponsor someone for an education and feed them for $40 a month? What is that to you and me? I spend more than that on Netflix and Hulu, you know, and so like what can we do to pour out into someone's life? God feels we pour. God feels we pour. You want a tangible way? You want a tangible way, tangible ways to grow and life to the full? Be generous. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your money. Right? Serve God at least once outside the church a week. Serve God at least once inside the church a week. Be generous with your money with God. Right? When we're generous, right, and we empty ourselves, then God fills us up. And we empty ourselves, and God fills us up, right, that is making a difference in living life to the full. So I want to leave you with this. I'll leave you with two pictures. And I want you to reflect on which one of these pictures represents your life right now. First picture. We got a we got a picture of a glass. It's kind of half empty, half full, depending on, on what your viewpoint is. And you've got this big bottle that, that's pouring out beside it. Right, it's trying to fill the glass up, but the glass is not in the right place. Right, the bottle's trying to fill it up. It's just running everywhere. Right? I think this is this is this is a group of people in our lives, a group of people in our country, in our community. Right, we try to fill our own glass up. We try to do it with what the world teaches us to do that, right? Success and stuff and accumulating things. And and all that stuff can be good. Don't get me wrong. It can be good. But at the end of the day, it leaves us wanting more. And in the meantime, right, God is the bottle, right? God is filling. He wants to fill up the glass, right? God's trying to fill that glass up, but we've moved the glass out of the way. We've tried to do it our own way. We try to live life to the full. We try to have those circumstantial happy moments that just keep eluding us or or it's just short-lived. right? And so so we're going through life trying to live life to the full, but we feel half empty. Or maybe we just feel really empty. And God's sitting there and God's so full. He just wants to fill us up. He's trying to fill us up. And our glass, we've just moved it off to the side. Now, second picture we got a picture here of a, of a champagne tower. Have you seen one of these at a wedding or somewhere where you get all these champagne glasses up into like a pyramid? You get a huge bottle of champagne, you pour it down, and, and it goes into one glass, it spills over, goes in the next glass, it spills over, goes to the next glass, on and on and on. It's, it's a beautiful thing. I want you to think about this picture, not in terms of champagne, but in terms of the living water of Jesus that we read about today. God, my cup runneth over. My cup runs over, right? The Holy Spirit is, is ready to come. The, we're thirsting for like life to the full and God's ready to give us that life to the full. And, and when we open ourselves to God and we, and we invite God in, right? We, we receive transformation from the Holy Spirit. We, we, we become generous in our lives. We allow God's Spirit to pour into us, right? We empty ourselves so God can pour into us, right? Our glass runs over. We don't have enough to give, but when God's in us, we have everything to give. And and when we give, it runs over to the next class. And, And that person feels full of God, and it rolls over to the next class, and the next class, and the next class, right? We are pouring into people that we'll never meet and never see, but because we have the Holy Spirit, we're part of the chain, right? And we're making a difference in life. So which one of these pictures is you right now? Are you full of God? Are you, are you practicing some of these things of life to the full of transformation and generosity? Do you know what it's like right, to, to have God flowing through your heart and through your life and you're pouring out to others with your time and your talents and your treasure and, and you see the beautiful cascading waterfall of the living water as you're making a difference in the world? Is that the picture that you have? Or are you that half-empty glass? And you're trying to live life to the full, and you're having some success at it, but but there's still something missing. There's still half that glass that is not there. And and, and you're hearing about this, this God who's who's filling up the world, and, and there's a big bottle that's next to you, and it's just pouring and pouring and pouring, and, and, and you're wanting that, but you've been so stubborn, or maybe so lost, or not known that your pride and ego has gotten in the way. Right? Today's the day to surrender. And all you have to do, all you have to do is move your glass. To do is move your glass. God is filling, He is pouring, right? It's all just coming out, coming out, coming out, coming out. And all we have to do is say, I'm I'm sorry, right? I, I'm, I'm tired of doing it my own way. I've tried it, Lord. There's still something missing in my life. I am ready to surrender to you, God. I'm ready to empty myself so that your spirit can come in. Right? Do you want to be like that champagne tower, that living water tower, or do you want to keep in that half-empty glass, right? God fills we pour. God fills we pour. All I'm asking you, brothers and sisters, today is move your glass. Move your glass and allow the Holy Spirit to flow in you. Be transformed. Be generous. God fills we pour. All you have to do right now is move your glass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and